Welcome everybody to our Wednesday evening Bible study. We're glad you're able to uh, come out and uh, join us tonight uh, during this week between uh, Christmas and New Year's. And for those who are traveling and maybe watching us online or um, are at home watching us online, we want to welcome you as well. And hopefully you will glean some good things from our study tonight. Uh, Drew has been leading us through a study of the life of David this quarter. And we'll pick up where he left off last week. Um, with the lesson that's entitled uh, On the Run. So uh, go ahead and turn your Bibles to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 21, and that's where we'll be starting our study tonight. At the end of uh, last week's lesson, um, Jonathan and David had an encounter, um, and uh, eventually Jonathan told David, okay, you've got to run. My father Saul is after you, it's not safe, and so you've got to get away. And really, from this point through the end of 1 Samuel until the end of Saul's life, David's going to be on the run. Saul is going to be pursuing David with a vengeance, really, during the latter half of this book and the latter part of Saul's life. Um, I want you to think as we get started tonight about maybe a time when you were on the run. All right? I doubt any of you have been on the run from the authorities. Uh, I, I hope that's not the case. But it's possible that you've had times in your life where you felt things are out of control. All right? Your life is spiraling out of control. You can't control what's going on. You're just being swept along by these events and you're not really sure what's going to happen next. Has there been a time when you felt that way, where you just lost control of what's going on around you? All right, that's how David feels right here. All right, Saul is after him. David has really done nothing wrong, but Saul is after him, and he's just running for his life. He's lost control over his life. He's just trying to survive. He's just trying to keep his head above water, as we say sometimes. And we're going to take a survey and look at different uh, stops along the way uh, where David has taken shelter, taken refuge, a small respite from his run from Saul. And he's going to react in different ways in these situations. Sometimes he reacts very positively, and sometimes he does not. But through each one of these events or encounters, David is going to grow as a person. And we're going to look at some of these encounters where David's on the run and think about his spiritual condition and how it's changing along the way, and hopefully also think about our own spiritual condition. How do we respond to these intense stressors in our lives? Do we react in a positive, godly manner to those stressors when life is spiraling out of control? Or do, rea do we react negatively? All right, so we'll start here in um, 1 Samuel chapter 21. So the first city that David is going to um, uh, end up in is the city called Nob. Beginning in 21 in verse 1, Then David came to Nob to Ahimelech the priest, 
And Ahimelech came to meet David trembling and said to him, Why are you alone and no one with you? David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has charged me with a matter and said to me, Let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you and with which I have charged you. Is that true? Did Saul send David out on a mission and said, don't tell anyone what you're doing? All right. No, it is not true. Not true at all. David's first reaction to the stressor is to lie. He goes to the tabernacle and to the high priest, which is found there in Nob. If you look on the map, it's really close to Jerusalem. So we're just outside of Jerusalem at the very top of our map right here. And David takes up refuge in a place where he thinks he's going to be safe. The tabernacle, God's dwelling place. Where else would you be safe besides in the tabernacle? But he lies to the high priest and says, I'm not on the run. In fact, Saul has sent me on a mission, but don't tell anybody Um, The high priest likely knew something was fishy about this story, but he went along with it. And ultimately, in verse 6, the priest is going to give him some bread um, from the table of showbread, as well as uh, later on in verse 9, the sword of Goliath the Philistine. So he's going to get some uh, safety measures and some sustenance here. He gets a weapon and he gets some bread. All right. But there in verse 7, while he's here in Nob, in the tabernacle, a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord. His name was Doeg the Edomite, the chief of Saul's herdsmen. All right, this is going to come up later on, but there's a man that happens to see what's going on, and he's one of Saul's lackeys. And he's going to know David is here, and he's going to rat David out. Um, later on in our study tonight. So David goes to the tabernacle and his first reaction is to tell a lie about what's going on to the high priest. All right, so where does he go next? So next up, David is going to flee from Nob, from that place of safety in the tabernacle, and he's going to leave the Israelite territory and travel over here to the area of the Philistines, to the city of Gath. Anybody know someone famous that David's already encountered from the city of Gath? Goliath. This is the home place of Goliath. So he's gone from the tabernacle there in Nob, and now he's gone to the city of his enemies, So why do you think that would be? Why would David go over here to the Philistines? Maybe the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Saul's after him. Where else might you be safe than with Saul's enemies, the Philistines? So David's going to go to the Philistines thinking, okay, well, Saul won't come find me here because this is the enemy of Saul. These are the Philistines. And it looks like this might be promising, but it turns out to be not the case. Uh, Starting in verse 10 of 1 Samuel 21, David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is not this David the king of the land? 
Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. So David goes to this place and they're like, King, this is the man that they brag about that killed 10,000 of our people, the Philistines. We can't give this guy refuge. He's our enemy as well. So David took these words to heart. He knows, okay, this is maybe not going to be someplace safe after all, and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. Verse 13, so he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. So the first time he lies about what's going on to the high priest, and now he fears for his life again, so he's going to essentially lie a second time. He takes a road of cowardice and pretends to be mentally insane. He pretends to be a madman, thinking, well, there's no way they'll strike down someone as, you know, someone that's mad, someone that can't take care of himself, and he turns out to be right. They don't kill him. They really believe that he has gone mad. All right, but this is going to cause David his self-respect, right? He gave away his dignity, essentially, traded that for his safety. So where is he going to go to next? So he goes from Gath there in the land of the Philistines. And we're going to jump over to 1 Samuel chapter 22. And David's going to go to a cave here in this area called Adullam. So look at 1 Samuel 22 beginning in verse 1. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became captain over them, and there were there with him about 400 men. Now we're seeing some positive traits coming about. David goes to this cave in Adullam. His family, his father, his brothers find out that he's there. They come to him. But who else flocks to David right here? Everyone who's in distress, everyone who's in debt, everyone who was bitter in soul. He's going to put together a ragtag band of soldiers. All right. Now, these are not the men that Saul is going to gather together for his armies. These are the lower echelon of people, those who are in debt, those who are in distress. He's going to put together right here, he's going to draw to himself this ragtag band of people that's going to become his army. That he's going to lead from this point throughout the remainder of his time on the run from Saul. So, third response of David now is to become a leader. He goes from a liar and a coward to becoming a leader. We're seeing some positive qualities of David now that he has attracted these individuals who are in debt and in distress. 
Um, there, are, uh, there are several psalms believed to be written around this time right here when David is on the run and perhaps even when he's in this very place right here. Psalm 57. I'm going to read verses 7 through 10 to you. My heart is steadfast, O God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations, for your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Does that sound like someone who is afraid for their lives, who's on the run, who just pretended to be a madman? There's, there's hope in those words right there. In Psalm 34, another psalm believed to be written during this time. Psalm 34, I'll begin reading in verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. That was Psalm 34, verses 8 through 11. Um, this isn't just like a carefree optimism David is exhibiting here. This is faith. David is taking control a little bit of his life right here and putting on this characteristic, this quality of a leader. A leader for these people that have come to him that are also in need themselves. All right, so let's see what happens next. So from the cave of Adullam, David's going to go over to what's called the forest of Hereth, um, which is in that area there, again, in the uh, northern part of what we think of as the area here of Judah. So let's read now in this next section here, beginning in 1 Samuel 22, um, 6 through the end of this chapter. All right, so... What, I'm going to summarize what happens right here a little bit, but um, basically Saul gets wind of where David is at. And he says, who among my people can tell me what's going on? And it's going to be this uh, guy, Doeg the Edomite, uh, verse 9. He's going to answer Saul, who stood by the servants of Saul. I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob, to Ahimelech the son of Ahitub, and he inquired of the Lord for him and gave him provisions and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. So Saul's henchman, who was there at the tabernacle and saw what happened when David came to visit the tabernacle, he tells Saul all of this. Saul was going to be pretty angry. Saul calls the high priest to him and slaughters him. Saul is so enraged that the high priest willingly aided David, his foe, that Saul is going to have his man Doeg kill the high priest. But not just him. In verse 18, Then the king said to Doeg, You turn and strike the priest. And Doeg the Edomite turned and struck down the priest, and he killed on that day 85 persons who wore the linen ephod. He slaughtered 85 priests right there because they aided and abetted his foe, his enemy, David. But one man survived, 
the son of the high priest, Abiathar. And in verse 20, one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And he tells David that Saul has killed Ahimelech as well as the other priests. And David says to Abiathar in verse 22, I knew on that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have occasioned the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me, do not be afraid, for he who seeks my life seeks your life. With me you shall be in safe keeping. David's sorrowful. David recognizes, like, I saw Saul's henchman. I knew he was there at the tabernacle. I had a bad feeling that he was going to tell Saul what happened. It came true. And because of me, I'm responsible for the death of your father, the death of our priest, the death of all these Levites. That's on me. David takes ownership for being responsible for the death of all these spiritual leaders of Israel. But all he can do is confess that and offer protection to the son of the high priest who survived. And so he does that. So, fourth response of David, confession. He confesses his fault right here and he acknowledges his culpability, his responsibility for the death of these individuals. All right, so we're moving fast here. We got, we got lots of places to visit as we go along. So let's move on now to uh, chapter 23. And David's going to go over just a little bit to the city of Keilah. All right, now it appears that when Abiathar, the son of the high priest, fled and came to David, he took with him the ephod. Now, the ephod, you may recall, is the breastplate that the priest wore. And with that breastplate, there were these sort of mysterious objects called the Urim and Thummim that were in some way allowed the priest to receive messages from God, allowed them to inquire of God. We don't know how they worked exactly. But it appears that uh, when Abiathar fled, he took with him the ephod as well as these other two implements. And so now he has them, and he's going to be there with David. And they go with all of David's ragtag band of men to this city of Keilah. All right, so 23 verse 1. Now they told David, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. So David's in this area. He learns that the Philistines, one of the enemies of Israel, have come and they're raiding the city of Keilah. David's got a small army with him, all right, if you want to call them an army. But they're David's men at this point in time. And David says, well, we're close by. Should we go and protect our brothers and sisters within the city? But before he just jumps and runs away or runs in to save the day, 
He takes a minute and he inquires of God. He takes advantage of having a priest here with him along with those emblems of the priesthood and he makes an inquiry of God. Lord, should we go and intervene? Should we go and fight these Philistines and try to protect our people right here in the city? And the Lord says, yes. But verse 3, David's men said to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? They're like, we're afraid just sitting here and hiding. <laughs> How do you expect us to go and fight the Philistines? Right? Do we look like an army? Right? We're debtors. <laughs> We're not soldiers. We're just men who came to you looking for safety. So David goes a second time, and he inquires of the Lord there in verse 4. And once again, God says, Go down, I will give the Philistines into your hand. So verse 5, And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their livestock and struck them with a great blow. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. God says, Go. You have my blessing. You're going to be victorious. So David and his men, they go, and they are victorious. They strike a devastating blow against the Philistines who've come in to raid this city. And David and his men, in verse 13, are going to grow a little bit. Now they're up to about 600 by the time they depart from this city. So, we're seeing more leadership of David at this point in time. We're also seeing he's growing closer to God. All right? He's taken charge of these people. He's made them into an army. And he has a priest with him. And he is going to begin talking with God, asking God, should I do this? Should I do this? All right, so things are looking up a little bit for David at this point in time. But remember, Saul is still in hot pursuit, looking for any sign, any clue about where David might be. All right, so then we'll move on down to our next stop along the way, and that's going to be in the wilderness of Ziph. So look down to chapter 23 and verse 15. David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul my father also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. This is the last time that we know of David would see Jonathan. The next time they came close together, Jonathan was going to die in battle. This is the last time they'll see each other. And we know that they have a very close relationship. Best friends, brothers. And so what happens to David right here? His best friend comes to him and encourages him. So go back to that time when you were in a spiral. That time when you felt like you lost control of your life. Did you have those people around you? 
Did you have those friends, those brothers, those sisters? Were they there to encourage you? Because that's what David needed right here. He needed God, but he also needed encouragement from his close best friend. And we need the same thing. When we are looking around this room, looking around this building and this community, when we see other people who feel like their lives are spiraling out of control, are you on their doorstep? Are you sending them a text? Are you giving them a call? Are you giving them that encouragement that Jonathan gave to David right here? I hope so, because every one of us needs that at some point in time. Oftentimes, we need that multiple times throughout our lives. And David had that. He had that friend Jonathan, and Jonathan was there for him right here. This is the last time they would see each other. But they spent that time encouraging. All right, now... We're going to move over to uh, the wilderness of Engedi. So, uh, this is our seventh stop along the way. We're skipping over to the beginning of chapter 24. All right. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all of Israel and went to seek David. All right, how big was David's army by this point in time? 600-ish. How many soldiers does Saul take with him? 3,000. Saul is on a mission. He finds out where David is. He grabs 3,000 soldiers, and he takes off for this, uh, this area of Engedi, which is right there on the banks of the Dead Sea. All right, but this is somewhat of a famous story. Maybe you may have heard of this one before because, uh, let's see, verse 3. While he was there at the cave, Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. Saul goes to a cave to rest, to take a nap. David and his men are inside this cave, hiding out, far deep in the cave. And they realize that Saul is now come in, and he's there in the cave, asleep. David's men, what do you think they say to him? This is your chance. He's, he's undefended. He's got no guards. Kill him while you have the chance. What does David do? He shows mercy. David walks up to Saul. He does not lift a hand against the anointed king of Israel. David recognizes this man may be after me, but he is God's anointed. It is God's decision when that changes. So David cuts off a piece of Saul's uh, clothing just to show proof that I was here and I showed you mercy. And um, I love it right here. It says, David arose and stealthily cut off the corner of Saul's robe. 
And then David's heart struck him. He felt guilty just for cutting off the corner of his robe. Um, But ultimately, um, David's going to show Saul what happened. He's got the proof. I cut off your robe. I showed you mercy. Saul's going to feel bad at this point in time and ask David, please continue to show me mercy. So David thinks, okay, I finally maybe have a respite. I finally gotten Saul to quit following after me, quit trying to kill me. Um, but it's not going to last very long, unfortunately. All right, so David's going to be in a good place right here. He's had a victory. He showed mercy to Saul. He thinks Saul is going to be leaving him alone for a little while. Um, But then we come to the story of David and Abigail in chapter 25. David wrote, uh, verse, uh, the end of verse 1 right here, um, David's going to uh, go up to the wilderness of uh, Paran, uh, and there's a man there whose name is Nabal. He's very wealthy. And uh, just for time, I'll kind of summarize. David and his men, they basically set up camp in Nabal's territory. You know, Nabal has shepherds and herders out watching after his livestock, and David and his men are going to fight off the raiders. They're going to protect Nabal's shepherds and livestock because they're just there anyhow. That's where they've set up camp. Well, time's going to come around to shear the sheep. So David goes to Nabal and David says, can we have some food and drink and celebrate the shearing with you? We've been here. We've been protecting your men We've been a wall, a shield for your livestock and men. And Nabal says, absolutely not. I'm not giving anything to you. David does not take that very well. He is a warrior. He's a general. He's anointed by God to be the next king of Israel. He asks for some food and some drink, and he is rejected even though he has shown kindness to this man. And David says in verse... Let's see, where are we at here? Well, I don't know which verse it was. But David says, uh, I'm going to grab my sword. I want all you guys to grab your swords as well. David's going to go and he's going to... Verse 14, thank you. Oh, 13. Verse 13, uh, oh, I'm in the wrong chapter here. Verse 13, David said to his men, Every man strap on his sword. Every man of them strapped on his sword. David also strapped on his sword. And about 400 men went up after David, while 200 remained with their baggage, with their stuff. So they're going to go, and they're going to get revenge on this man who slighted them. He wants vengeance. Well, Nabal has a wife named Abigail. Now, her husband, he's not a nice guy, but she is a nice woman. She is understanding. She's got some wisdom here. She takes it upon herself to intervene. She goes to David with lots of gifts, and she says, David, I know my husband has 
done you wrong. I know he has slighted you despite your kindness to him, but please do not kill him. Do not take out your revenge on our people. And David acquiesces. Abigail intervenes on behalf of her husband. Later on, God's going to strike down Nabal, and David's going to marry Abigail, and she would become one of David's wives. But right here, she tells David what he needs to hear, which is that vengeance is for God, not for man. So, David seeks vengeance just as he thinks he's got this small reprieve from Saul. Does not last long. Saul once again comes back. We have more encounters um, throughout the remainder of 1 Samuel uh, 26, 27, uh, 29. David continues to be on the run from Saul. Ultimately, David gets a little too comfortable with himself with the Philistines. He returns back to the Philistines once again, and they give give him a whole city to live in. All right, just skipping over here to 1 Samuel 27. He and his men take up this city called Ziklag, which is in the Philistine territory, and they begin to raid the other Philistine and their allies. But he lies and he tells the Philistines, oh, we're not raiding your people, we're raiding the Israelites. And he doesn't do some things that I would say are very good at this point in time. It's going to come back and it's going to bite him. He's going to lose his city. He's going to lose his wives. They'll be taken away. All the women of his army will be taken away captive. And he's going to have to make his way back to God once again. So throughout all these events, David reacts good and he reacts poorly in different situations. But just going back to how we started this lesson, think back to when your life is spiraling out of control. How are you going to respond? With mercy? With leadership? by asking God for help? Or is it going to be with vengeance? Is it going to be with lying and cowardice? David showed all the spectrum of reactions. He ultimately did come back to God. But the question becomes, how are we going to respond to the situations? Because they for sure are going to happen. All right, thank you for your attention. Y'all have a great evening.